0: Yes, friends, on a Friday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast, where you know it. I'm your host, Adam Armbrecht, coming in without Andy Mackowitz for this one emergency podcast style live over on YouTube. Um, so emergency and so live that the episode that I just recorded gets trumped by the rumor, speculation, news just breaking this afternoon, uh, that the New York football giants are actively seeing. What they could do and what they could get in return for wide receiver Kadarius Tony. Um, I literally inside of the episode that may get chopped up and turned into something at some point. Uh, the conversation I was having highlighting that Kadarius Tony didn't show up for the voluntary uh, mini camp, saying that listen, you can say it's not a big deal, but you can also look at it and understand Joe Shane and Brian Dable echoing sentiments with their interview with Bob Papa saying. We want guys that come in that are dedicated, driven, hardworking, showing it on the practice field, showing it in the film room, and then ultimately showing it on Sundays. And the players that have that level of commitment and that show that level of production are going to be the ones that are rewarded with playing time when it comes to getting out there on the field. And in contrast, just for that little bit extra context, for whatever Kenny Galladay is going to be short or long-term, term, excuse me, for the New York Football Giants, he showed up. Right, like he he showed up. He said all the right things. He maybe threw a little bit of shade at, at the previous coaching staff, whatever it is. But he is there and he's ready to play. And uh, this is first rounder from last year, and again, previous regime. And this goes right into the conversation that I've been having with Andy on every single episode of this podcast over the the entire off season, going back to last year. But from the second that Joe Shane came into this building as the New York Football Giants GM all connections to previous draft picks from a draft capital standpoint and from a financial commitment standpoint went completely out the window, right? This is not John Mara hiring Dave Gettleman and saying, ah, I want to do a certain thing. I want to try to keep Eli Manning around and, and let's retool. I think we no, no, no. This was, let's do whatever you think is in the best interest of the New York football giants. And if you think for a second that Brian Dable who, and Joe Shane, who said they've met with all the players, they've reached out to them, just watched a great interview with Aziz Ojolari and with Andrew Thomas that Victor Cruz did over on Giants.com, where they talked about what is Dable like. Fun character, interesting guy. He said, uh, Andrew Thomas, he hit me up just randomly and said, hey, what have you done? And when Thomas replied, ah, no, nah, nothing much. I said, all right, you know, but he's just that kind of guy checking in on his players. The fact that Kadarius Tony did not show up was a red flag or should have been considered a red flag for this regime and for Giants fans overall and it clearly has some legs here. Now again, we'll get into whether or not th- th- that we think this is going to happen, whether or not this could be posturing from the New York Football Giants to say, "Hey, this is going to be the only maybe warning shot that we send your way, Kadarius, that get your butt in here." You this was this was your choice, voluntary. But everything you do from here on out better be exactly in line with the messaging that we have brought into this organization or it's going to look different. My sense would be, and I think Pat Leonard was the first one to report this, reputable, you know, a name that can be trusted around these things. My sense is that they already had those conversations, not with just with Kadarius Tony, with everybody. Show up, do the work, be rewarded accordingly, be a part of the process that this franchise is now entering into. Kadarius Tony is not a part of that. So now we start to think about what is possible here for the New York football giants to get for Kadarius Tony. Remember taken last year, you're talking about a prospect. He's at the high end. We know that it was a small sample size um, as far as what he was able to do on the field. Excuse me one second. As we just get the old chair into alignment here. Um, we know that it's a small sample size. We know that he dealt with injuries. So from a pure player standpoint, there's two angles that you can take with this. You can look at this and say the New York football giants can move him as soon as possible before the draft and then put themselves in a position to replace him. And again, turn this page over here. Uh, if that's going to be the case, interesting to think about where is the sliding scale of value. My immediate reaction would be New York football giants try to get something near the top of the second round, maybe you know, in the second round. I think would be an acceptable return on Kadarius Tony, given the limited but very electric sample size that he gave last season. Um, You know, whether or not they have to settle the way that we're hearing about with a Saquon Barkley or with a James Bradbury, right? That's to be seen. I don't, I would be surprised. Let's put it that way. If the New York football giants were able to get a first round pick out of somebody now, could they get a first rounder next year or the following year from a team? Because it pushes off some of that expense, maybe one of the other things that I, again, in the, the now debunked episode, um, talked about was how Joe Shane was saying, relative to the players we have on the roster and who's coming out in the draft, we're also looking at how the the positions are being paid on the open market. So wide receivers are seeking big contracts all across. Debo Samuel right now, right, requesting a trade, and that that that's a both and. He wants to get paid, and he also doesn't want to play for San Francisco. So. We can uh, speculate on how that's going to play itself out. But but these players, specifically a wide receiver, want to get paid. So it's a both-and here internally as well, because the Giants now find themselves in a position where they're essentially saying, not only are we already a year into the timeline of this young wide receiver, and we know they'll have the fifth-year option on him, but so they have four years of control left on him, and the cost is relatively low. But he's not our guy. Now we compound the fact that he's a player that we're not necessarily sure if he's going to be the piece that we can really build our offense around, or I'll go a step further. Maybe they do know that he's not going to be the piece that they build an offense around from a wide receiver group standpoint. Now you look out and you say, okay, you know, we know the financial circumstances they're in. When is the time to get out on them? This is this, not dissimilar. And just to reset the table, if you're coming in live over on YouTube, Obviously the breaking news Kadarius Tony, the Giants are actively having discussions with teams around the league to see what they could get in a trade for him because he did not show up to any of the voluntary mini camp uh, or the walkthroughs earlier this month as well. and that was clearly uh, against the messaging of Joe Shane and Brian Dable and how they wanted team uh, players to to approach this off season for the New York Football Giants. So that that's where it's set right now. The next piece though is then saying, if you're the Giants and you're trying to turn this thing over, how far down the road do you want to go with a player that you don't have the intention of bringing back? And we can, we can, you know, contrast this with Saquon Barkley. Andy and I have discussed it. What are they going to do? Are they really planning on re signing him? I think it goes in that same boat. Now, Saquon Barkley has done everything right on and off the field, shy of the injuries, which he can't control. And we understand that. But why have the guy on the books? For another year, if your intention is to trade him, why risk Hidarius Tony? unless listen, he had some small minor injuries last year. We're talking about serious injuries now, potentially, right? We're talking about injury risk to a player that another year from now, or is his value going to be that much higher? I think he gave an electric sample size. I think teams got to see him showcase that skill. We understand he can be a human joystick type of player. And arguably every year that he gets older is another year. The teams will look at the draft and say, yeah, but I can go get a guy like that. I can go into the draft and see players that I think uh, can match that type of production. Here's a guy that had 39 receptions last year for 420 yards in 10 games that he played. Uh, Obviously, missing seven of them in total and didn't start the season, by the way, he was healthy, but couldn't get himself onto the field, which I think is another red flag, 57 targets, 39 receptions. So the catch rate is 68%, uh, only had three rushes. So no real sample sizes there. The overall total touches, as we say, uh, 42, 10 yards per yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So 40, 426 total yards from scrimmage. I mean, the bottom line is, This guy has more than showcased that he is capable of being an electric talent. What it really comes off to me as, and you go back to last year's draft, and we talked about the trade down and what it meant for the Giants. How about that now? You traded down to get these extra picks. You didn't draft Rashad Slater. And now the guy that you took is not even going to be a part of this organization within a year. Less than a year, right? He'll spend less than a year as a New York football giant, potentially. That's where we're living right now when it comes to Kadarius Tony. And I'll say to you, Giants fans, which I count myself among, I'm fine with it. It's the exact same premise that I've had about every single player on the Giants roster. Joe Shane comes in. He evaluates the talent. He evaluates the needs. He evaluates the cap room. And he says, this player stays. This player goes Unlike the previous regimes that we have seen with John Mara as the owner, Joe Shane clearly has the ability to execute decisions that he sees fit in the best vision of the New York football giants. Now it's just about a matter of what you can get. And if we're thinking about it, I ran that mock draft the other day, I'm going to run another one here and I'm going to take this very much into account. Now you're talking about what maybe being able to add another top 40 pick, let's say like, let's just be, you know, cautiously optimistic around it. What if you can get another top 40 pick? Now, all of a sudden, even if you trade back or say you stamp pat at five and seven, you get your offensive lineman. it all breaks perfectly, and you pick up Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, you get your lockdown corner. You know that you're going to move James Bradbury at some point during the draft, maybe in training camp, et cetera. Okay, you've got your offensive tackle on the right side. You've got your lockdown corner for Wink Martindale system. Now, at the top of the second round, You can look at the edge rusher out of Penn State, and you can look at a linebacker that you may really like, or you can look at a safety like a Draxton Hill that Justin Penick brought up, um, if you think, or a brisker, if you believe that he can be a quality player. You also can look and say, what does the wide receiver room look like? Obviously, right? I mean, that's going to be the biggest question that we go to. Who do they bring in? At the top of that second round, Andy Mackowitz had mentioned, really like Sky Moore but really hard to push yourself to draft Sky more when you have Kadarius Tony and you still have Kenny Galladay and you have so many needs on this roster. If you're able to move him and can immediately turn that into a replacement that's going to step in day one and be a starter and contributor for this wide receiver room, it makes that decision pretty easy. It makes it a lot more palatable and reset your timeline. Remember you have four years of control with a fifth year option on Kadarius Tony. You'll still have four years of control on a wide receiver you take at the top of the second round, and it'll cost you less money on the books as well. So there's there's going to be a lot of options there. We'll get into I want to bring up basically the draft options that the Giants could be looking at here if they're able to move Kadarius Tony. if that's the way that this goes. Again, could end up being wrong on this. I'd be pretty surprised, given that we haven't heard anything come out about the Giants are actively looking to move Saquon Barkley. We've heard to the contrary of that. And if we want to use all these different scenarios to bounce off one another, I'd say that it's more likely, based on this information, that Barkley is going to be a part of the team. Not because Kadarius Toney is leaving, but just because the messaging from the organization has been, he's here, we're not making calls, we have taken some calls, but we're not actively looking to move him. That means unless the Giants are blown away, they're not going to move Saquon Barkley. Right, wrong, indifferent, how you feel about it. That's not going to be a decision they make. But this is the Giants actively reaching out and saying, hey, we've got a wide receiver. We've got an electric talent. What are you willing to give up for him? The New York Jets would certainly be a team that would want to be in on that conversation. One would think, what are they willing to give up to get him? Would they be comfortable giving up their high second rounder to bring him in? Would the Giants be comfortable moving him right across the stadium uh, if that was the best offer on the table? You could think about, if I'm just Throwing it out there? What about the Green Bay Packers, right? What about adding an incredibly talented weapon for Aaron Rodgers, knowing that they were going to go into this draft, the Packers, and say, we want to get another elite weapon for this window for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Well, guess what? This guy, again, is showing you the sample size. He's proven it. You know that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best cu- quarterbacks in NFL history. You're not going to have issues with production and value. He can start throwing the ball to Kateri Tony. 15 to 20 times a game, just like he did with Devontae Adams. Away you go. Totally different dynamic, different type of player, different type of skill set. But that would be one of the, that'd be one of the teams I'd be looking at. How many does Tampa Bay want to go even deeper on the Tom Brady era? However long the out of retirement Tom Brady run is going to be. Why not? Going to be a lot of teams that would be willing to have a discussion around this. The question is just going to come around. Who is going to be willing to give what to secure a talent like this. If you want to get in the comments, please feel free. I want to make sure that I'm just checking in on those. Um, Give me your scenarios here. Kadarius Tony reports, Pat Leonard first reported by Pat Leonard, NFL.com is reporting it. The news is out there. I'm sure Schefter has had his tweets, everybody else along the way. What do you want back for Kadarius Tony? That's the question that we're going to pose here. Get in on the conversation, hit up the chat. Tell me, what are you, what are you willing to take? Go ahead and punch it up here for you. What does it take for you to trade Kadarius Toney? Does it have to be a first rounder because you got it? You gave up first rounder to get him last year. I'd say wipe that out of your mind, right? Because there's going to be talented wide receivers in this draft class. that teams could say, well, I can just take a wide receiver in the first round. If I want, I can draft a Christian Watson to whatever level you think that he was coming out or is coming out of college versus Kadarius Toney. I can draft him at the back end of the first round. If I want, I can draft him at the top of the second round. If I want, I can draft sky Moore, right? Do I need, to go get Kadarius Tony for a top 40 pick? If there are teams that see the run on wide receiver and don't get one of their guys, and they say, I'll give you pick 50, 55, something in that range, is that enough for you to say, yep, go ahead, get them out of here. Let's roll this over and give ourselves another valuable asset. You go, you think about inside the wide receiver room right now. Let's let's take it from another angle. What are the New York football giants going to do in the NFL draft if they look at their roster and they see a Coming off injury, don't know when, if he'll be able to get back on the field for the New York Football Giants in Sterling Shepard. Longest tenured New York Football Giant in the organization right now. You've got Darius Slayton, a fifth-round pick, who certainly looked like a bit of a breakout, bit of a steal in the draft in his rookie season. Did not match that, right? Catch percentage was not good. Drops were, were awful. We thought, in theory, coming into this year with the other player in the wide receiver room we know, Kenny Galladay, you say okay, but now Kenny Galladay, now Kadarius Tony, maybe Shepard gives you a little bit something. You know they signed two tight ends and Seals Jones, and also added an Atkins, uh, Akins, excuse me. Now you're okay. These are all kind of re- these are all receiving weapons. Maybe maybe Darius Slayton can have some success now in and underneath all these other options. But if you start to take away the biggest, most dynamic one in that receiving room in Kadarius Tony, what does that look like for the production of these players? Got. We got there, Jamil the King. Why would we trade him? This is dumb. Send him to Dallas. We'd love him. There you go. There you go. Listen, I mean, I'm not telling you. uh, Well, I mean, make you know, state your case. Why shouldn't they trade him? If if the premise has been set, we'll take it back to the top here as we're running it live on YouTube. If the reports are that Brian Dable and Joe Shane came into the organization and said, hey. Here's the standard we're setting for all of our players. If they had conversations, Joe Shane said he talked with Kadarius Tony. Dable said he talked with Kadarius Tony, wanted to know what he did in college, that he liked, that was going to work with the system. They said the same thing with Kenny Galladay. What did you like that you did in Detroit? How are we going to best utilize your skill set and the things that you like to do in an offensive system? If Kadarius Tony basically took in that communication and said, yeah, I'm good, I'll I'll show up when I show up, why would a new regime care? Uh, I'll reset this again. I'm not saying that Kadarius Tony isn't talented. What I am telling you is Joe Shane doesn't care that he was drafted in the first round last year. It's not his draft pick. And Joe Shane, you know, or is the, will the intention be four years from now after the fifth-year option be to pay this player an exorbitant amount of money? Now, now t- you know, is four years pretty far off to be thinking about? Maybe. But for a franchise that doesn't feel like they're in a win now mode, they know they're retooling, rebuilding, trying to fill in needs on this roster. What is having him on this roster going to be? General general managers in general, excuse me, they think about, and Joe Shane has said this, I think about this year, and I'm also thinking about years two and years three, right? So just in terms of the perspective on it, I'm not saying that you can't have this kid play for you for the next two years and then trade him before. You get to that fifth-year option situation, right? Of course, that's 100 an option they can have on the table. Yeah, and I get you, man. If we're over on the live chat, I get that you always trade away the best players. I'll, what I'll say is um, Janoris Jenkins again. That you know, I'm picking out the names here that you're get that you're getting um, that you're that you're speaking to. JPP is a great example, right? Um, the Giants stood by him after the firecracker injury that injured his hand, and then ultimately moved on from him. Um, and you can obviously look at the production that he had and say, Hey, this guy managed to be a very consistent player going forward and went on to win a Super Bowl, obviously with Tampa Bay, I can appreciate it. Um, uh, when it comes to Janoris Jenkins, again, that's about the state of where the franchise was versus where he was in his career. It just made sense to move him. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. You can debate that, right? Had a player in place. I I didn't mind his antics, whatever you want, however you want to, you know, consider them. I think it probably falls, it seems like relatively similar to uh, Kadarius Tony. There's nothing, you know, hasn't gotten any trouble off the field, hasn't had any issues like that. Um, But again, this is about the big perspective of the Giants franchise has been dysfunctional for years. So when you have really high talent, but the team is not in a position to be winning, there's a disconnect there. You're right. So then you start to look and say, well, how do we make sure we get value for players before their contracts come up? And then we see them walk out the door. And then we talk about compensatory picks, et cetera. I I get where you're coming from. Um, I I really do. Like it, 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 this is frustrating. The fact that this is a situation should be considered frustrating for giants fans, but the frustration should probably be uh, with Dave Gettleman and with the previous regime. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge character, you know, if everything isn't flawless and if you say maybe not terribly committed, but We're not too far removed, remember, from DeAndre Baker being drafted, and credit to Andy. We talked about it on the podcast. He said, here's a guy that had, once the incident occurred here, was like, here's a guy that had some issues away from the field. There were those red flags in the draft, and the Giants went with it anyway. And they went ahead and moved up to take a player that maybe they could have just sat there and gotten in the second round anyway. They made this push and then cut to he's not a part of the roster. You maybe go and get a player that's very exciting and dynamic. I'm not saying that Tony had red flags coming in, but did you need to take a wide receiver in last year's draft in the first round based on that regime and what they were thinking? Maybe dynamic playmaker for Daniel Jones. That's our franchise quarterback that we drafted underneath Dave Gettleman. But cut to now, it's just different. Joe Shane extend it even further. Daniel Jones isn't isn't Joe Shane's quarterback. Maybe he will be his quarterback, but he doesn't come in with any misgivings about. I'm obligated to make sure things work with Daniel Jones because we drafted him six overall. No, I'm only obligated to make this team better. That's that's my number one priority is make this team better. And it goes down to the Kadarius Tony too. First round draft pick does not mean anything. We got we got the King saying. Uh, I know we're not going to win this year. We got Sean Leith saying uh, we are going to win this year. And I like that positivity. We, we've we batted around that conversation of can this team win this year or at least be competitive. You guys forget so quickly. I think I can actually hear. Let's go ahead and throw these up here. I'm I'm doing the, do myself a disservice. I can have them right up here on the screen for everybody. Forget so quickly before DJ goes out, we were in play for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not um, – do I believe that this team can be competitive this year? Yes, I do, Sean. Um, but do I think that that is the first and foremost priority for the New York football giants, for Joe Shane this season? No. So I, just in terms of balancing the books here, they're not going to make decisions based on can we compete and make the playoffs this year? They're going to make decisions on how do we set ourselves up to be successful in the offseason and free agency so that over the next two and three years, we can be consistently competitive um, in the division and in the playoffs as well. You got Darren coming in with, does he love football or does he want to? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, and, th- and this is again, this is brought up Odell before I, th- these are conflicting things. I think Odell was always a a big football first guy. That was just the timing of it. Again, Kadarius, Tony, whatever you want to say about young Joker and all that stuff. Like none of those things bother me when players have those interests. It's it, It's again, and plenty of, High-profile people that cover the New York football Giants said, guy doesn't show up, don't worry about it. What's the problem? Why are Why are fans worried about this thing? It, it all comes back to the messaging sent down from the GM to the head coach, through the head coach, to the players, and then those players at least showing that they are willing to buy into this new process. And that's a, I get that it's a difficult task, especially for players that were here through Dave Gettleman and now into Joe Shane and even pre-Dave Gettleman, And are saying, you know, what are we talking about here? Keep turning it over. New systems, new schemes, new ideas, new approaches. When is it going to be consistent? And just from a head coaching standpoint, right? Third head coach now in the last several years. So I get that piece of it. But this is the only messaging that you can follow now. So as we just reset the table here briefly and say, all indications are the New York football giants are actively shopping Kadarius tony or at least actively engaging in conversations with teams around the league to see the potential return on Kadarius tony so if you're in the chat and you want to be a part of it um yeah a hundred percent jamil a hundred percent we play the worst schedule from uh, opposing divisions here and actually it's funny um when we talk when we talked about uh in the the episode that no one will ever see that i recorded earlier and then this broke out and it just really trumped everything else talked a little bit about the signing of another tight end talked about uh logan ryan and his grievance with the giants to the league around some money there and then around joe shane which we've kind of gotten into here the messaging um you know when you look at the schedule there'll be games to win we can get a little we can kind of bounce around here a little bit right we're gonna play some of the worst teams well theoretically some of the worst teams one of the things i did i, I covered was the giants are likely to be one of the teams that'll go to London playing the Packers or the Jaguars potentially because of how the schedules line up. They play the NFC North and then a last place team in the Jaguars. So they could be over there for one of those games as a potential schedule, you know, wrinkle here for them, which can always impact teams. It impacts, you'd like to think it impacts both sides. And since they're home games uh, for the Jaguars, it makes it an away game for everybody, which is fine. We're going to take a look here at Giants 2022, just opponents and see if we can. And again, you know, it's funny too, when we talk about things like this, before we circle back into uh, the draft here, I want to talk about who the Giants could potentially target in the draft as a replacement, because while I'm fine with the Giants moving on from Kadarius, Tony, I'll even maybe it's a double down here, right? Here's an extra wrinkle to think about before we get into the schedule piece. Um, when you think about moving on from Kadarius, Tony, you're talking about because we don't want to have him in the room when we're thinking about developing the rapport and the chemistry, right? So you still are going to have, oh yeah, Tony to KC. I like that one a lot. How would you say CLX CLXCH? Clax Clutch? Clutch? You tell me. But um, just real quick, Sean Lee, it's not reaching to think that we can win – Uh, win our division um yeah i mean listen so let's get into the schedule there in a second but um when you think about developing rapport with your quarterback now there's two there's two lines to this the first line is the giants are committed to daniel jones and he's going to be the franchise quarterback if that's the thinking then it makes sense that we don't want a guy that isn't fully committed to being a part of our process the way we see it in Kadarius tony We're going to move off from him and then we're going to hit the draft and we're going to replace that player with someone we think we can pair with Daniel Jones. If the New York football giants do not think right now, and I'm assuming they go with an open mind to the season of the training camp. But if they think that they cannot go into next year with Daniel Jones, if they're looking to next year's draft class, then in theory, you might pause at least a little bit about what level of urgency you place in the draft on replacing Kadarius Tony. And what I mean is, like, you can look for system guys that fit your scheme, and and you know we're going to play well within what Mike, with uh, what Brian Dable, excuse me, and Mike Kafka want to do on the offensive side. But maybe you look at it at you know uh, eighty one, one twelve. You want to bring in a player, but if you really feel strongly about Daniel Jones, then your commitment level to a true number one, which I don't think Kenny Galladay is anymore, and certainly is not going to be in the big picture then there's probably no limit to how high you might like to pair a player with Daniel Jones. So when we turn our attention over to the draft class here, and I don't mind the idea of uh Kadarius Tony to Kansas city, if they are looking to do it. Cause I just said uh, Debo Samuel, I just, I just thrown this out about if, if you're, if you're Debo, if you're Debo Samuel, if you're the Kansas city chiefs, like, Hey, if we can find a way to make the money work. Yeah. That sounds like a really good idea for us here to bring in a, a dynamic playmaker that can obviously be utilized in a myriad of ways. Kadarius Tony can be used in a number of different ways. And if you think that Andy Reid wouldn't have a field day with him, good Lord, you'd be sadly mistaken. Clutch, I get it. Um, so now I've got, I've got your name down straight. Tony and Bradbury uh, in a package deal. Could net Kansas City first round pick? Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Right. And, and, you know, we've talked about this too before. If the Giants, even in Bradbury and Saquon Barkley, now maybe you throw Kadarius Tony into that mix and you say, how high can they go? Some of it was, was always predicated on, well, maybe you can get pick X from a team with James Bradbury and then throw in a later round pick from the Giants. And that's how you get a little bit higher up on the board, right? Giants can get from 67 up to 54 with James Bradbury. So you just think about it as a functionality of an extra asset. Maybe you're right. You know, something like a Tony and Bradbury, does it get you the 29th or 30th pick from Kansas City? At which point, if you go inside that draft, could you, one, look at wide receiver options? We'll talk about that. But two, could it keep you in play for a Zion Johnson or for a Kevion Green, another offensive lineman? Even if you take, let's say, Neil for right now, at fifth overall, that's your right tackle. If you can go and get a guy that automatically plugs in and starts at left guard alongside Andrew Thomas, and you can have now, Three-fifths of your line, young, controllable, feeling like you've finally done the thing. Giants fans have desperately wanted which is fix the offensive line. Yeah, I think that there's certainly an option there. So what teams – I was listening to Carton and Roberts before I got on, and you had one of those um, options of saying – I think he was talking about across the arena, right – yeah, we'll give uh, we'll give you a handful of picks for Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony over to the Jets and really send them off on their way. There's a weird mechanic just in general about that of, you know, you don't want to trade in your division, obviously. Um, you also, it's like step by step, right? You don't want to trade in your division. Then you don't want to trade in your conference. And then you don't want to trade in your stadium. It is typically how it ends up going. Now, the Giants did it in the previous regime, again, when they got Leonard Williams from the Jets. Um, but usually, I think it's the first time they've ever made a move like that um give me a third knock it off uh equal yet different how dare you third round pick for for Kadarius tony i mean but this is but this is going to be the equation that the new york football giants are grappling with right like are we committed to moving him to the point where it's got where teams are going to say oh you're unhappy with Kadarius tony sure we'd love to have him. here's a third round pick right you know that's this is where it is a very delicate balancing act of trying to make sure that you don't just sacrifice the asset. And is the same thing. It feels very similar just from a replenishing the asset and moving forward in your franchise. When we talked about Saquon Barkley, understanding he's not a problem, great guy on and off the field. But when you talk about the return you can get for him, it's like saying, well, what's his talent? Well, his talent, I mean, hell, we could still argue he's a first round talent. I don't, you know, that's what Andy would say. I'd say, Ali, oh, well, you know, if you can get a third round pick from right now, that's great. Right. 94, you know, from a team, 90, 90 to 100, something in that range in and around. I've said Baltimore before for pick 100 or getting back the Giants uh, 110th pick potentially. Right. If you could do that, great. But but when a team then says, I'll give you 150, you go. Is that is that is that enough? for the cap room that you get for moving Saquon Barkley. So that's, I think, what you're engaged in now with Kadarius Tony. What is the right or wrong decision to make here? Let's see what else we got. Joe traded for him in his dynasty for a 2023 first and, and bought stock of him on a predicted strike yesterday. There you go. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> There you go. So it, um, tricky. Things get tricky when when news breaks like this. Um, adjusted a scheme to the players as well as wink. We have the talent scheme, everything. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm on, I'm on board with you, man. I, I mean, I like I like the positivity. I will say, as and and if you've ever listened to the podcast or followed us on YouTube, if you haven't, man, thanks for coming into this right now. Like the like the channel, man. Subscribe to it. We're going to be doing mock drafts leading up to the draft. We're going to be doing the coverage all throughout the off season. Go get the podcast where you get your needs fulfilled. Shameless little plug for ourselves here. Um, but it's funny when we get into predicting what we think is possible for the New York football giants, this upcoming season and and where Vegas has the over under at the draft is going to dictate a lot of where that thinking goes. Right. And not just because how many holes do they fill, but which holes, if they spend more capital on the offensive line and on weapons, then you can start to think that they can be in games. They can be in some more high scoring games as opposed to the blowouts we saw on the back end of the year. Right if they end up just where best players available and value in the draft drives you towards edge rusher, defensive lineman, linebacker, safety, right? We can get excited about the the defense turning over and getting back to where it was a couple of seasons ago. But we still know there's going to be this issue on the other side of the ball. So I, I it'll be fun to get into that. We're going to probably do that all too early prediction on record right after the draft when we feel like we've plugged it in. Can you make sense to me how the Giants would give up on him? Um, well, again, as I said at the top here, just to reset the table very quickly: Kadarius Tony, uh, Pat Leonard reported it first. It's all around uh, the internet as far as the Giants taking call, actively looking, excuse me, making calls to try to trade Kadarius Tony. My premise on why they're willing to give up on him so quickly is because they didn't draft him. It's simple as that. There is no allegiance from Joe Shane to anyone on this roster, and that includes Daniel Jones. The only reason, uh, you know. Let's take the big picture here. Why is Daniel Jones automatically on this roster and coming into the season and being given every chance to have success and be the quarterback for the Giants? Because he has no value and because he was locked into a cap number and because the Giants are in cap hell. That's it. If the Giants had had more money, they would have probably moved off of him. They would have probably taken anything they could in assets. Maybe they would have outright released. Like, who knows what they would have done? Or They would have said, listen, you're the backup quarterback. And we're going to go out on the open market and get a veteran that we think can just steady our ship here because everything we're doing is in the vein of a quarterback next year. But giving up on Kadarius Tony, you know, quote unquote, is all predicated on we have a certain type of player, certain personality, a certain, you know, set of of. Skills, demeanor, attitude that we want. And you heard it in Brian Dable's press conference, you heard it in Joe Shane's press conference, you heard it in the little clips that you got from them at the NFL Combine. They want a certain type of player. And, and it's, not, it's not about personality or off-field interest or anything like that. It's just a mentality about getting better and being a part of the team. And Kadarius Tony, in a very short amount of time, gave an indication that he doesn't necessarily see himself as being someone that needs to prescribe to the same set of rules right and for a player that is absolutely elite and electric but also had injuries last year in his rookie campaign and only played in 10 games it's hard man it's hard to swallow that pill saquon barkley for all of his injuries and for everything that i've said um around you know needing to trade him and thinking that you know end of the line here saquon barkley's he has far more Reason to say I'm not coming into voluntary stuff. I've had you know multiple seasons of injuries. I've been an electric rookie running back. I do everything right on and off the field. I don't want to show up to this stuff, but he is. And by the way, it, it, it's both serving you know the, to put out a good foot forward with a new regime and also serving his own value. I'm a guy that shows up and does what's necessary, right? So even if you're going to trade me, or if I'm going to be here, I want to get paid. All those things it makes sense. Same thing for Kadarius Tony. Even if you don't want to be a part of the Giants, you don't like the fact that, that you were drafted by one regime and now a new one comes in and whatever it's going to be. You don't want to be here. You don't like New Jersey. Fine. But showing up and quietly telling Joe Shane, hey, listen, like I think I'd rather be somewhere else, then all those mechanics can work. And getting you somewhere else that much quicker is going to be possible. All you're doing now is hurting the way that other teams may perceive you. And you're also, of course, hurting the New York football Giants' opportunity to get back maximum value. Uh, yes, I did hear, uh, blue city empire sports talked about this a little bit at the top here in what was the debunked uh, episode that we didn't get to do. Uh, yes, Logan Ryan, Ryan is filing a grievance around $3 million based on an injury clause inside of his contract, um, that the giants did not pay him follow uh, because he was injured in the office, had off season surgery, excuse me. And we'll see where that goes. It would impact the cap obviously for the New York football giants. Um, they had adjusted already a dory jackson's number we know they had adjusted sterling shepherd's number blake Martinez's number so we'll see you know maybe they'll have to go somewhere else to look to bring down a cap number to free that up if it ends up going through i don't have the full details as far as as what that will mean and whether or not it's likely or unlikely that the giants will be on the hook for that what do you think the realistic price tag for the giants to take for uh, this is what i said listen realistically so let's turn our attention over to how the giants can look to replace him and 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 the way in which that could impact him and then we'll circle back man because it's a good conversation we'll circle back to the to the schedule here and we'll talk about record as well um when we go inside the draft you're talking about some of the higher you know some of the higher guys the garrett wilson's the the williams the londons of the world we can move past that um if the giants are looking to replace him and then also thinking about this year's draft class and where they'd like to take an asset players. You can think about would be sky Moore. His average ADP over on draft buzz is 58. Now, do I think he'll go a little bit higher than that? Yes, I do. A lot of ones he's going up. If the giants wanted him taking him at 36 would be a real option there. Um, obviously Christian Watson, draft combine. I I was I was big on him just before the combine. The combine proved it. And then everybody else got wise to it. And now he's right now 52 on his ADP. After that, though, this is this is why I think it's interesting and it's about value, certainly. But after a guy like Christian Watson, everybody else, even John Mechie out of Alabama, he's going 66 average ADP as well. Then you get into Calvin Austin, he's going 90, 76 for David Bell out of Purdue. Um, As you work your way down that wide receiver list, what you're really noticing is 88 for um, Ross out of Clemson, who I don't like and I would want the Giants to stay away from. Um, He's been a bit of a disappointment. Tolbert, obviously, 78. 78 average ADP for Robinson coming out of Kentucky. Alec Pierce, who I really like, says a 77 right now average ADP. I would assume that he's going to go a little bit higher than that. The point being is there's a gap here. There's a gap between top 40, 45, And then 70, 65, 70, you know, there's a 20 pick selection in this draft where the gap of the talent, I don't think is necessarily going to be worth the selection. So from that standpoint, if you're the giants, would you prefer to have one near the high number two? Yes. And if not, I wonder if teams that have multiple assets where you'd say, but if you give me something in the seventies and also something in the, in the one twenties, right? If you can give me a, a three and a five, would that, you know, three and a four, would that be enough for the giants to say, these are two players. And we talked about it in the mock draft. We talked about it over the course of the podcast. If the giants look at this draft and they say at picks five, seven, 36, 67 and 81, let's start right there. We expect to draft five day one starters. If you're telling me that I can make a trade for Kadarius Toney and know that I'll bring in at least one more starter, and in some cases, if the assets are right, two day one starters, right? Now you're talking about, and depending on what position they're targeting at 112, maybe there's some viability there too. But saying that you could go from having a player that we weren't sure what was going to be long-term, we don't know if he wants to be here, and now we've turned that into two more day one starters for our football team. Yeah, you got to love it. And who knows? Maybe it's Kadarius, Tony, and 112 to get two of those picks somewhere between 50 and 80 or something along those lines. The value chart is interesting. We've heard it about Debo Samuel and his trade request, where some people were saying maybe multiple twos would get the job done, the Jets being in that conversation, right? Any team that has multiple draft picks in every round and then multiple draft picks in rounds next year, I think that those are the teams that you look at and say, hey, We certainly have, you know, the capital to quote-unquote sacrifice around around this opportunity, because we can give you a second round this year, a third round next year, and still see ourselves having picks in every single round for 2022, 2023, and beyond. Right. So I think that that's probably the equation that some of these teams are doing. Unless you're 100% a win-now mode team that is willing to give something up and say, "That's it, we've lost that entire round. Third round's going by the wayside. High third round, we're done." Unless you're one of those teams. Um, that believes you can win this season and that Kadarius Tony can get you there, I think a lot more of these teams are going to be saying, we can give you multiple assets, we can look at him as a building block, but um, my general impression would be the teams that feel like they're right on the edge, and that can be the edge of, we think it'd be really good and, and pretty sure we're going to make the playoffs. They'd love to get their hands on a Kadarius Toney. Teams that are saying, well, we know we're making the playoffs, but if we add Kadarius Toney, now all of a sudden we're going to afc nfc championship right so that those are the teams that i think you really look at and say they'll be willing to give up the most to get them and certainly maybe over over a couple of seasons uh justin Bragg, kadarius tony to new england yeah another another weapon we know they added one obviously from miami bill can handle tony's uh, drama sure yeah i'm sure i'm sure he could Listen, I'm yeah, I'm all for it. Whatever gets the job done, friends. You want to send them to the AFC? Uh, organizational ties, we know. Nice little love fest between Bill and the Giants and the Patriots. It's all good. Yeah, I don't care. Again, whatever gets the job done for me um, is really all is all that I'm concerned about. So, you know, for me, if we assume that something in around, like I said, can you go as high as top second? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but if I'm looking for replacement parts here the equation that you'll start to do is how high then are the giants willing to draft a replacement? The guys that I like, I've said them before, Alec Pierce, obviously out of Cincinnati. I like Christian Watson uh, very much uh, out of them there. I, I, there's a guy that I've liked. I'm just saying him here because I I love him and I think that he's worth it. And that's Ontario Drummond out of Ole Miss. He's a late round draft pick with someone that I think would be very valuable for whatever team ends up getting him. Um, it 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 can change the dynamic of how the giants approach the draft let's go back to the premise if the new york football giants and brian dable believe that we do have our franchise quarterback in daniel jones we just got to work them into it we got to get the pieces around them um then you can start to speculate on the idea of giants get their offensive lineman at five they trade down from seven maybe into the teens, and they pick up another asset. They've already moved Kadarius Toney, right? So now they're sitting there, and they have picks five. Let's say they trade with Houston. They also have pick 13. They also get a a mid-second there. I think it's something around 55-ish or so, maybe from Houston, or they're later. Well, let's say they get one in the 70s from Houston, and that small move from 13 to 7. So we're going to pick at five. We're going to pick at 13. We're also going to pick at 36. We're also going to pick maybe at 50 with a trade for Kadarius Tony. Then we're going to pick at 67. Now we're going to pick in the seventies from Houston and we're going to pick at 81. I've got seven picks in the top 81 of this draft that changes what you can accomplish. And then it changes the equation of at 13. Are we now sitting there saying that what, a? and I think some of these guys are going to go well before then, But here's one to think about. How far down did the Giants end up trading back from seven where Chris Olave becomes a real viable option? He's a player that Andy and I had scouted coming out of last year for the draft, ultimately stayed back. When you talk about a player that you'd have no real need to go after someone like this necessarily, unless you were trading away Kadarius Toney, he's a route runner technician. We know that he's incredible on deep routes, sees and tracks the ball in, can be a versatile weapon, lines up in a lot of different ways and is reported as being a dedicated, hardworking, driven guy, wants to get in the film room, wants to be better. He's all the things that you want. He checks all those boxes. So can the Giants trade back to the late teens and then end up taking a first-round wide receiver to immediately replace Kadarius Toney? Oh, yeah, they could. And then everything else that you do after that is about filling in the pieces around them. Something that I do want to get into um, I'm going to come right back in here. We'll wrap this up. I don't know how long I've even been going for, if I'm being honest, but yeah, we're about the 45 minute mark. So we'll go a little bit longer. I want to hear additional ones. We've heard Kansas city. We've heard uh, talking about, send them over to new England, obviously, but let's also, what are you willing? If you're giants fans enjoying this, what is the lowest return that you will take for Kadarius? Tony, what are you willing to take for Kadarius? Tony? I personally would say, you have to at the there at a minimum would be multiple picks that involve a third rounder and then maybe another asset next year another third a fourth you know that would be the bare bones absolute floor minimum from a value perspective i think you can still look at the upcoming draft class and you can say well look at the players that you're talking about in the second round top of the second round back into the first round if kadarius tony is right on their level then you have to be willing to give up or you'd like to think to request a top of the second round, second round pick, right? So that's probably where I think the ceiling ends up being and certainly something depending on them that the giants could get. There you go, Eric Powell, Bradbury, and Tony to the Patriots. That's another good one. Let me see if we can put that one up on the board there. There you go. I like that. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah, and these tandem ones, and that's the other part of it, too. We heard it get mentioned in the chat there. If we think about it from the perspective of can the New York football giants put Bradbury and Kadarius Tony to the Kansas City Chiefs for X, right? Is it is the back for, back end first rounder for those two players? OK, how high how high of a, a single asset could you achieve by packaging these these two players? That's a very interesting perspective on it. Someone threw out the Saints. I mean, they said, you know, give us a I don't say third or fifth or fourth rounder there for Kadarius Tony, but that's an interesting one, too, because they're a team that's right in the state of flux. They know they've had some issues maybe with with Thomas, maybe just bring in another disgruntled wide receiver potentially. But that's a team that I think still looks at themselves with their defense and says we can get right back into this mix here. We just have to have the balance of weapons and talent and everything else. So, and it's only going to be three, four, and $5 million over the next couple of seasons for Kadarius Tony. So you are going to have a relatively low cost asset for whatever team goes with them. You think it's fake? Um, I'm just going to call you Lackin 45. You think uh, in the sense of you think it's fake in the sense that it is intended to influence Kadarius Tony to be committed to this team. Or you just think it's flat out fake? I mean, it was reported by Pat Leonard, who's a respected, you know, respected coverage around the league. So I, I have a hard time, um, I have a hard time hearing that report and then having it be kind of verified from a number of sources and saying, um, that it's not, that it doesn't have legs, and and everything about this tracks, right? Remember, by the way, you can go back to last year and there they, they talked about this with Kadarius Tony where it was dealing with, I think, the ankle injury. And they said, yeah, you know, he's going to come out for practice and said, nah, it's no good, I'm not going to go. And when you look around a team having a bad season, not winning any games with a dysfunctional coach and a terrible offense, and guys were playing through those little minor injuries we talk about, like the writing has been on the wall a little bit. I think that I, well, here's one thing I do agree with you, Lacken, um, is I think they love the skill set of Kadarius Toney. I think they love how he would fit into a Dable, a Kafka system. I think the skill set is fantastic. But again, when you're turning over a franchise, you're you're trying to set this table. And I'll, I'll bring it back to Saquon and give credit to Andy, who's been on this train for a long time. There is a balancing sheet in terms of cost and value with the players that are going to represent your franchise. Now, certain guys, like your quarterback, certain positions, Daniel Jones, he can be the perfect person on and off the field in terms of his you know, his commitment. But if he's not good enough, he's not good enough. Saquon Barkley could be worth $7.2 million knowing he's going to walk in free agency just to have someone who's going to do everything they possibly can for this team, whether it's as much for himself as it is for the New York football giants. That's what I think a little bit of the difference is yeah i believe you eric um the corner need is certainly real yeah there you go john doe oh, welcome john doe i've seen you in the comments before i've seen eric powell in the comments before on, on the youtube channel as well yeah for sure um christopher tony any relation to uh cadarius can we can we count you as a verified inside source too young to know he's sacrificing his career and for what maybe you're so upset because it's your son your cousin your your brother, your, your family friend. And, uh, you just wish that he he would get his act together. Yeah. So do I, again, I, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not anti Kadarius Tony, but I am pro the New York football giants getting themselves, getting their act together. And I don't think if this was happening, let's say that Dave Gettleman was still the GM of the New York football giants today. And this was happening. I would very much think, first of all, this is a disaster because he drafted the kid. And then also, who knows what it could be, right? This could be anything because we have no clue if Dave Gettleman has a clue what he's doing. But because it's the new regime, because it's Joe Shane and everything about their messaging since they've come into the building, I don't think that this happens unless there's, re- unless there's a reality behind it. I don't think Pat Leonard reports it unless there's a, a truth to it unless it tracks. And I think even if it ends up being that it's messaging from the Giants to Kadarius Toney, get your act together. I I think that the willingness to trade him is real. I think the desire to trade him is probably not. The desire was for this kid to come in and be a part of it. The fact that you don't want to be a part of it or feel like you don't have to be a part of every element of it, that's the part that rubs a, a new GM, a new head coach the wrong way. Right? That's that. That's what it comes down to. Yep, I agree with you, Eric. Again, of course, no, yeah, of course. All of these things, you know, talent, that's what we talk about. And it's the one thing Andy and I debate this a little bit. And then I'm, I'm going to talk about the schedule a little bit here. Um, and then I'll just touch on maybe a couple, I'll I'll take a look at the wide receivers one more time, just for who they could target potentially in this year's draft class to just bring in another weapon, bring in another talent. Um, but Andy and I, you know, you debate this about Saquon Barkley and, and, and any decision you need to make, you have to disassociate the talent from the objective, right? Joe Shane's objective is to restructure this franchise, fix the cap room and make them a consistently competitive team. So, and I I oh, by the way, the the other thing you're not going to hear from the episode that will never see the light of day. When Sean O'Hara went on the NFL Network and was talking about, look at these highlights of Saquon Barkley, when the line opens up and the linebacker has a clear path 4 yards deep in the hole to just nail Saquon Barkley, and he has no chance to make any moves. Giants fans and former Giants are fed up with this. Saquon Barkley's been done dirty. It was pause Everybody knows that everyone knows that Saquon Barkley is an electric talent. Everybody knows that the offensive line is sucked. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about money on the books for a player in the final year of his contract that you wouldn't think the giants intend on re-signing. That's what we're talking about. And I'll even go a step further. And you get and Eric and I get it. You want to keep Saquon Barkley. I'm not, again, the world where the value that he brings to your franchise on and off the field, I get that component of it. But the other thing quickly that that, uh, O'Hare brought up was other running backs have been taken high in the draft, like Zeke. Two big distinctions there. Zeke Elliott was a running back drafted fourth overall to a team with an awesome offensive line. So the value on that running back was exponential. They were ready to win. They were ready to play for playoffs, for the division, right, for Super Bowls. Didn't work out for them. We're all happy for that. And The other part, so that's the first piece of it. That's why drafting a running back so high, if you're the Giants, was such a mistake. You didn't have the pieces in place to maximize his value. The other part of it was, though, where is Zeke now? He's on the Dallas Cowboys. They gave him a massive contract extension. And this past season, everyone was saying, boy, it really looks like Tony Pollard should be the lead back because he clearly is more dynamic and better suited to help the Dallas Cowboys win games. So these are the debunked versions of this thing where you just say, player X is so talented. You can't get rid of them. That's not always true. There's a lot of circumstances that go into that. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, let's see. Getting a couple of these comments here before we talk a little bit about the schedule and a little bit about the uh, the draft replacements, potentially a wide receiver. Talent at the end of the day is almost the end all be all. Oh, I didn't put that one up there. Where'd you go? There's John, Doe, is the end all be all unless you're just completely unhinged. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like there is a reality of, 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 of course, right? Late non-draft picks that have off the field issues get cut immediately. High draft picks that have big price tags and cost a lot of money to get off the roster. They tend to be dealt with. They tend to be tolerated, right? Of course, 100 percent talent outweighs all. But again, the Giants will tolerate the talent that they draft now that they draft, that they choose to pay. Joe Shane did not choose to draft Kadarius Tony. He didn't choose to pay him. That's the only difference here. I'll pay the talent that I drafted. I'll pay the talent that I scouted, that I believe was worth it. And by the way, in all of these players, Joe Shane's going back and saying, where did we have, when I was working for the Bills, where did we have Kadarius Tony on our draft board? What did I have? He was scouting last year. He was assistant GM. He's on the road now for the Giants as the GM. He is a, on the road, scout, absolute animal, lives and breathes it. So he knows exactly how he looked at Kadarius Tony coming out of the draft. So he may one say, guess what? I didn't have him that high on my board. I think he's talented, but I didn't have him. I didn't have him in the 20s in the first round. Or I didn't like the way he profiled in the interviews meeting, you know, like, and love. We talked about his conversation with Bob Papa on uh, giants.com. There's loving a player. And then there's liking a player. There's also loving a player at pick X and liking a player at that same pick. So all of these things are already there. So Joe Shane might've walked in day one and looked over this roster and said, okay, now let me get this right here. Zizo ojalari traded back and got him. You know what? That's a real pick there. That's a real great pickup. Great value. Kadarius Toney in the first round doesn't make sense to me. So he already, you know, he already has a perception. Is he willing to get into it and say, Hey, we can get there on this player. We can utilize him. We can use the talent, of course. But again, the, the attachment to the asset and to the money being spent on a player like that, it's not the same thing as if this was still Dave Gettleman. That being the case. And listen, just to give you the spectrum, right? I hope the New York Giants are done with them. And and listen, I'm, I'm not a guy who cuts ties quickly. I I go back to, uh, the, the Baker incident. I was, I gave him a long leash around that and just saying, you know, Hey, what does this look like? You know, all, all the pieces and components of it. So it's not about, it's not about a knee jerk reaction. Again, you can tell me that Kadarius Tony is on this roster and going into the regular season with him. I'm fine with that, but I'm, this is just what this, what seems to be indicated by all these reports and all these news. Eric Powell, I'll take three first. I like your style, Eric. I do. I do like that. And I'm assuming, Eric, you mean adding another adding another first rounder. Yeah. So we'll have three total at 5-7. And then if you talk about the um, Kansas City Chiefs, maybe at 30, right? Yeah, I-, I get it. One second rounder and two third picks. I'll be happy trading Tony. Yep. Let's see what we got here. Where do you think he gets traded, and what possible compensation will it be for him? Yeah, and we've been we've been kind of I've been rounding out on this a little bit. Kansas City has been brought up. I think that's really viable. The Jets are a team that's been in the conversations around Samuel, so certainly that could be an option. I brought up I brought up the the Green Bay Packers um, as being a really interesting opportunity because when you think about the draft and and all the conversations leading up to it, so much of it has been. I pull up the uh, official draft order here, just so we can kind of round out through it. Um, they want to get another weapon, right? They don't want to repeat the mistake. We know Devonte Adams is gone, so they have some talent on the roster, but they don't have an elite number one talent. When you work your way through towards that back end there, we're talking about, you know, the Green Bay Packers are at 22. That's, oh, sorry. That's Las Vegas going there. Green Bay will be picking at 28, you know, again, now it's like these scenarios of saying, well, let's put, uh, let's put James Bradbury with Kadarius Tony and get a late first. What else could you maybe be sending to a team like Green Bay to get 28 overall? I'm not saying you have to be at 28. Um, other teams that I would look at, if we're just talking about draft order, that back end, I mean, you know, Kansas City's at 30. You've got Cincinnati at 31. Detroit's going to be picking at 32. I mean, I don't, you know, none of those teams are are necessarily – ones that I think are viable. Again, Tampa Bay at 27. Need to get the full, let me get the full board up here though. Cuz I'm looking at a lot of these things just in the first 32. Okay. As we get ourselves into the second round, right? So reasonably reasonably I could look at How about the Indianapolis Colts? Maybe they would be a viable option. That's a team that is doing things, brought in Matt Ryan. Um they want to be competitive this year. Um we wanna we wanna get, you know. We wanna yeah, get as much as possible. Sorry, I'm thumbing through here actively. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Maybe a team like that. I'm not saying I'm not saying for the 40 second pick outright. Um other teams that are ready to win now. You know, Kansas City just to, you know, they're there obviously at 50. Green Bay is there at 53 in the second round, maybe something like that. Um arizona tampa bay is at 60 right so you start to think about i I think you start to look in that range i think that straight up just player for pick i don't i don't mind the idea yeah and again so and then we'll 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 talk a little bit schedule here i'll take one last look at the draft um 10th pick from the jets yeah that's not gonna happen um that's not gonna that, that that won't be the way that this works um just because, first of all, he was drafted, you know, he was drafted in the 20s in last year's draft class. And there's no, if he had been on the field for every single game and had put up 100 yard, 100 receptions, et cetera, et cetera, you know, then all of a sudden the talent is exponential and someone's willing to do that. Nobody's giving up a higher pick than where he was drafted, just as a baseline, let alone a first round pick would be a real push to get there. Um, uh, yeah, let's, we get to, we talk a little bit of general draft here. Uh, I think that, I think that sauce is the guy I think sauce is, he, he fits everything that wink Martindale is about. He's a guy you leave out on the Island on the outside. Um, he has the length, he has the size, he has the speed. Um, I have heard people talk about like reports on him are like, he, he will be not just the number one cornerback for the New York football giants. He could be one of the top cornerbacks in the league this year. Right. And it's not, nothing to say to say nothing of Stingley, but. Um, I, I, I think that that that's the player that the giants would, would love to plug and play, assuming that Bradbury's on the move here and assuming that they have that need and that hole. that that's my, my just general draft board. And I said, I'll do the mock here later tonight. My general draft board would be offensive lineman. You can take your pick here. I, everything is speculated. There's a part of me that looks at Neil in the same way that I looked at Andrew Thomas when he came out, just in terms of. This is a guy that maybe on paper was the consensus number one, which Neil was. And then by the time he got to the draft, it was like, ah, you know, you got a Quanu, you've got, you know, cross and, and what could it look like? And some talented players went to some other teams, but now here we are entering year number three. And we look at Andrew Thomas and we say, you know, doesn't, doesn't blow, didn't blow your mind at the combine. It doesn't necessarily look like this, you know, athletic freak across the line, but it looks like he's going to be, one heck of a left tackle for us anchoring that line for the next decade. I look at Neil that same way. Big guy, uh, big body. So if you secure him at five, then it's about his Sauce Gardner's still there at seven. And you can vice versa. I've run a lot of mocks where all three offensive linemen are there at five. Um, And if if Gardner's still there, you take Gardner at five, as long as Joe Shane and the Giants say, we're comfortable with any of these offensive linemen. You can't risk at all that in behind you at six with Carolina that you can end up losing an offensive lineman that you really covet. So that's probably the only difference there. Um, And then, and then of course you're looking at the cornerback class overall. There's some guys that I like as you work your way through the draft, Uh, Kyler Gordon out of Washington, he's probably going to be a guy you have to take 36. If you want to make sure you get him. not going to be there by 67. And then that, that in between ground Uh, Martin Emerson out of Mississippi state's another guy, big guy that, is scouted and said, as I mentioned in the last draft mock, I did um, a guy that, that is looked at as if he went and did safe, played at safety at the pro level, which is what he was recruited for going into college. Then he could be a high second round pick or he's a third rounder if he wants to stick a corner. So I think you get into a little bit of an interesting ground there where maybe at 67, probably not there at 81. How do the giants view those players? What, you know, if you think that one of these guys in the second or even third round, is a player that may not be there week one, but by week 17 of his rookie season, you go, there we go. We got our guy on the other side uh from a Dory Jackson. Then you can be a little more flexible at the top of the draft. Let me just get into some of these comments here and we'll loop back on that schedule a little bit. I wouldn't want to hear. Sure, sure. That's fair. That's fair, John Doe. Some Sometimes you got to worry about it. it's like when you name, you know you pick your kid's name. You got to make sure you don't go with something that rhymes with inappropriate words. You don't want to sacrifice them to the lamb there. Uh, Giants clown. I really like like Osamoa. Yeah, uh, he's good. Uh, Noah Ellis. Yes, I will give you that one. He's one that I've been talking about. Um, I like him and it looks like he's a guy you can get later in the draft. So I really like him as a prospect to put there in the middle of the line, something since we're kind of turning a corner here a little bit, um away from let's you know just getting away from the kadarius tony news a little bit one of the things that somebody brought up in the comments on a previous video was you know you, you have dexter lawrence and he plays at 340 plus pounds he got moved to the outside and you use danny shelton in the middle but there's a question of why why are we assuming that he can't go back in as the nose tackle and if you agree with that premise then all of a sudden you start to look at at some players in the draft and go well now, if I'm saying Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and player X, that can look a lot different too, or or this rotate or a rotational player that you think can do both things, because short term let's strengthen that defensive front there, but long term is Dexter Lawrence going to be a guy that gets paid in the offseason? Are they going to pick up his fifth year option? Right. So there, there's things inside of that that become pretty interesting as far as, as players of the Giants may like. All right, we're gonna wrap this one up. I subscribe wherever you can. Spread the word if you so choose, and and as I said at the top. We'll be doing draft night coverage live going to try to set up a few people uh, that I've been connected with from YouTube from podcasting from sportscaster where we had done some live streaming content over the years. The likes of Ray route who covers the NFL at large and also the Patriots uh, a guy like Lawrence Owen who covers the Colts on Colts law and also does some work film study wise. So let's um, let's see if we can get those guys involved. Obviously we we'll see if Annie comes in I mentioned pessimistic Mike if you listen to the podcast he could be in here live as well. Yes, sir. Joseph, be in for the draft party. Get in. We're going to try to try to very tight window to do this. Make it possible for you guys to be able to call in and be live as well, and give your thoughts ahead of the picks, and then digest and and give your your grades out. Your all too early grades that we like to do after the picks come in as well. So we'll do everything that we can from that standpoint. Thank you so much for checking in with us. We'll keep you updated on the Kadarius Tony news. And as Andy Makowicz would always want, need, and demand, the people know. As always, let's go big blue.